This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Postal Service is on track to run out of cash by 2024 and has alerted Congress, special delivery, to the need for a legislative fix. But lawmakers appear no closer this year to advancing a postal reform bill than they have in the past few years. Some wiggle room still exists, though, for USPS and its oversight bodies to maintain solvency. That's according to Paul Steidler, senior fellow at the Lexington Institute and longtime Postal Observer. He tells Federal News Network's Jory Heckman why Congress has been slow to act and outlines what more can be done to put the Postal Service in better financial condition. Given the reality that there are appropriations bills and many other measures that have to be addressed, and that we're heading into uh, an election year, and that this is going to be a very, very difficult issue for Congress to address because it impacts all consumers and businesses, and there are a variety of stakeholders with different issues who are going to fight very hard for their specific interests. The reality is it is a long shot at best that postal reform legislation is going to be enacted in this session of Congress. That's very disturbing from the standpoint not only of the uh, losses that the Postal Service is going to continue to incur, but how that erodes at the ability of the Postal Service to stay a quality organization and to be able to meet the needs of the American public. But the simple reality is it does not look, barring some unforeseen crisis at this point, that Congress is going to move on this, especially given that we don't even have a template piece of legislation that can be discussed here. Sooner or later, though, the Postal Service, as everybody, even the Postmaster General acknowledges, is going to have a liquidity crisis, and that's going to force the issue. The question really is, does Congress want to act before there's a crisis, or are they going to postpone it. If they are going to postpone it, there's a number of steps that can be taken and should be taken without too much difficulty on Congress's end. Actually, if you don't mind going through that in a little bit more detail, that last point you made about if things are postponed, as you pointed out, if there is kind of a crisis moment. For the first time in five years, the Postal Service now has a quorum on its board of governors. So having a fully constituted board, that is an organization that can implement a lot of change and um, improve business practices, reduce costs. The reality is the board members are not paid much. And there's a tremendous amount of work to do because there have not been board members for a number of years. This is not glamorous work by any um, stretch of the imagination. It's also work where the uh, directors or the uh, governors, the longer that they're in, the more that their honeymoon with Congress is going to expire and they're going to be called out on different issues by members of Congress. So being a governor at the Postal Service is not like being the ambassador to Tahiti. It's a lot of hard, unglamorous, frankly, uh, rote and difficult work. And one of the things that uh, would be very beneficial is to pay directors more. Right now, the most a director can make is $42,600 a year at the Postal Service. At a minimum, that compensation ought to go up to 125000 a year. These funds are actually paid by the Postal Service. They're not directly paid by taxpayers. It's kind of a unique situation with the Postal Service when they are setting uh, the budget 
for governors and for regulatory agencies. Congress does not appropriate money from the general treasury, but it advises or, or it tells the Postal Service what needs to be spent in that regard. There is reason for optimism by virtue of the fact that there are five quality governors in there right now. And, you know, we want to be able to keep those folks. We want to be able to incentivize them and we want to be able to attract new governors because there are still four vacancies out there. So again, increasing director's compensation is one of those things that would be relatively uh, low cost. And in terms of the um, savings and the efficiencies that it will generate, it will pay for itself many times over. Similarly, the Postal Regulatory Commission they decide whether rate increases are appropriate. They investigate service standards. They're basically the advocate for the American people to make sure that the Postal Service is functioning how it should be. Now, while the Postal Service has $70 billion a year in revenues, the Postal Regulatory Commission has a very small appropriation in its current budget. It's $15.6 million, and they have a staff of 75. The Postal Regulatory Commission should get a real shot in the arm, a real increase in its funding, which has basically been flat for the past 10 years anyway, and they should also be empowered so that they can help the Postal Service operate more efficiently and ensure that the uh, interests of the American public are being uh, advocated for. And also, the Inspector General's office at the Postal Service has a very important role to play. This is the uh, law enforcement agency of the Postal Service. They're responsible for ferreting out things like health care fraud that may be perpetuated, false disability claims, and especially important for helping to seize opioids that are in the mail. This is an entity that returns about $9 for every $1 in expenditures that it gets. And given uh, where we are with the need for improved drug interdiction and the fact that the OIG's budget, it's currently at about $245 million, that too should be significantly uh, strengthened. These are probably things that should be strengthened anyway, even with postal reform, but the absence of postal reform or the absence of any true prospects of postal reform in this session of Congress makes those steps especially important, and they should really be the low-hanging fruit that everybody in Congress can endorse. I want to circle back a little bit on some of the comments about the Postal Board of Governors, not just the money issue, but, you know, I think the way it is currently, it really amounts to a part-time job in terms of the hours. And so I think that also raises perhaps another wrinkle in the kind of people who are even interested in the job. It does. It's a part-time job, but the reality is, is there was an absence of practically all directors for a five-year period of time. So there's a lot of catch-up work that needs to get done, and there's tremendous need for the expertise that the uh, directors bring from a strategic planning, from an information technology expertise background, from a cost control and restructuring background, and the various directors have various expertise in these given areas. So it should be a full-time job, but the reality is, is there's no shortage of important work that needs to be done and needs to be done rather urgently. And it's going to become increasingly urgent just given the challenges that the Postal Service continues to face. 
while we're talking about the the Board of Governors, I think it's interesting just circling back to the conversation we were having earlier about the recommendations from the White House Postal Task Force. It seems to me, and I'm just paraphrasing here, that the task force recommended the Board of Governors who should really kind of be the ones charting the course going forward of of long-term postal solvency. Um, you know, I think that's an interesting comment that they made. You know, I have to wonder what role that leaves for the Postmaster General. There's plenty of work to go around, and the Postmaster General, as the um, CEO of the organization, is the one who needs to be involved in making the day-to-day decisions. She is the quarterback. She is the one who has to make those important decisions going forward. And, you know, she's really been in an extremely tough spot for the past couple of years because she's been running this organization, which if it were a business, would be a Fortune 40 company. And one of the things that business and other leaders value and that they prize is having other advisors who can help them out in extremely difficult situations. Uh, And Megan Brennan, for all intents and purposes, has not had that. I mean, she's had other people at the Postal Service who are working very hard and who are very capable, but she is better able to do her job now because of the fact that she has governors and has consistently talked about the need for the Postal Service having those governors, and it clearly helps her out, and she clearly knows and appreciates that. Paul Steidler, Senior Fellow at the Lexington Institute, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's ongoing postal coverage at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.